0: Good day, good day, good day, everyone. It's a special Thursday edition of the Pete the Planner Show. Why, you ask? I have something better to do tomorrow at the normal time. Joining me, as always, I used to say as often, but I mean, it's sort of what you do now, is Damien Dunn, everybody. Damien Dunn. Is that two weeks
1: in a row that you've hit the intro?
0: Uh, I believe it is. Last week, though, I was dancing visually on the screen because I forgot to put the graphics up. But uh, Dave, you know what I was thinking about in the shower? I was thinking about you today when I was I just really soaping myself up. And I thought about this concept of <laughs> <laughs> the la- <laughs> the next words. would not- <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. I, can't, I don't know if I can continue. Okay. That's a um,
1: great way to open. We get we're one for two. We got the uh we got the intro. Now our host broke up over a joke that nobody will ever hear. I I
0: might get it out. So, it wasn't even a joke, but it would've been quite unsavory. Uh, let's go the reverse way around it here. Dame, how many hours of radio do you feel like you've done now in your life? Ooh. You do this once a week for an hour. I mean, you've done some other stuff. What do you think?
1: Once um, a week for an hour. I've probably been doing this for two years, roughly now, consistently. Okay. Maybe it would be your my guess. Um, and maybe a couple of the other odds and ends. One hundred and twenty-ish.
0: Okay. Yeah. So I've been doing it for twelve years. Right. And at one point in time, the show was two hours long. What? <laughs> yeah. My my guess is that I'm close to 1,200 to 1,500 hours. And the reason is because I started thinking of the concept of mastery mm-hmm. of 10,000 hours uh, is you know what is said to master something. And I was thinking about it because I was like, you know, Dame is not to have anywhere close to 10,000 hours. He's gotten raised. He's gotten pretty darn good at this. I'm nowhere near 10,000 hours, and uh, I need every bit of those 10,000 hours.
1: But if you look at all the other stuff that you do that kind of fits into this spot, yeah. I mean, other podcasts that you appear on and, and shows and newscasts and all that other stuff, I mean, I bet you're really close to 1,300
0: hours. Uh, I bet I'm close to 10,000 hours 10, total of yeah everything. I mean, it, it's, it's a lot. Anyway, no one cares. I'm sarcasm. Th- I I understand. I, I I picked up on it and dismissed it. Uh, that was a quick response and helpful. Thank you. Uh, that was actually, I just read feedback that came through uh, for one of our financial concierge team members. I just, it says quick response and helpful. Thank you. And so <laughs> I just said that to you. Damn, here's what's on the show this week. We got three really good questions and we're on a deadline because it's a busy day. So, Dame, let's start the show. Let me put up a little banner here so people know uh, I love the podcast. People love the visuals. Okay, there it is. <clears throat> All right. Um, let me get ready here, everybody, because I know you care. Let's get the time set up.
1: Hold on. I got to get my clock here.
0: All right. But behind the scenes, no one likes to know how the sausage is made. Ready Wait. when you are. All right. In three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us askpete at pete the dot com. That's askpete at pete the dot com, and uh, we'll answer your question. Sometimes joining me uh, often and now Damien Dunn. Hello, Dame. Hello, Pete. Vice President of Advice at your money line and hey money. So, Dame, let's get right to it. We have three questions this week. I will let you choose which one we answer in which segment. We've got a 529 question. We've got an income question, and we have got a non-qualified investment account question. Which one do you want first?
1: Let's go with the 529.
0: Pete? Dear Pete, my wife and I have one child who is 10YO. We've used a 529 account to set money aside for her future college expense since shortly after she was born and with the help of the markets, as well as a generous gift from my wife's parents, have saved around $75,000. We'll continue to contribute $5,000 per year for the next eight years and anticipate having a nice sum of money when when it's time to ship her off to school. In fact, I think it's possible that we save so much money that we have money left over in her account. If my daughter is awarded any scholarships, that will definitely be the case. My question is, does it make sense to save money for college in an account other than the 529? That is from Monica. Uh, Dame, uh, let's get the dirties out of the way here real quick. I'm a paid uh, paid endorser for the Indiana College Choice 529 plan. Uh, So anything that I say right now is not because I'm a paid endorser, but it's important that you know I am a paid endorser. That being said, yeah, Dame, there are circumstances in which you should stop using a 529 and use something else. How's that for a paid endorsement? I might lose my gig.
1: Yeah, I don't think you're in any uh, real risk of that. Uh, We don't even know where Monica lives, for example. So it could be a different state altogether. Uh, But yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, Monica brings up a really good question. It's one that most people probably don't think about because they're not going to be in a similar position. However, if you do find yourself in a similar situation you might want to start thinking about putting money elsewhere for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, if money's left over in a 529, you've got a couple options, and some of them are really good. You could potentially leave that money there and redesignate a beneficiary down the road to a, a grandchild, or maybe even yourself if you go back for schooling later on in life. That's a fine thing. Uh, you could also uh, take the money out, and this is where it starts getting a little tricky, because you'll have some taxes and a little bit of penalty on the uh, the growth of the... Uh, the contributions. The contributions will come out uh, tax-free, but the growth will will have some penalties uh, attached to it, as well as taxes. So that might not be uh, very tasteful, but you can still get your hands on the money if you absolutely need to. So you've got some choices there. The other thing that comes along with that, though, in certain states, if they give you a tax credit as well, They may claw back that tax credit if you take money out of a 529 account, so you might have some some other settling up to do with the state that you live in. So if you find yourself in a position where you think you're going to have excess in a 529 account, if you're not comfortable leaving that money in there for um, uh, other educational purposes for the, the original beneficiary, you might want to start looking towards other accounts, whether that's a non-qualified account. Some people really like to use Roth accounts for this sort of thing as well. Uh, but you'll know what your, um, your taxation is going to be in those accounts as well going forward. So uh, it's an individual consideration and decision, I think, Pete. Uh, but it is one to, to roll around in your head a little bit.
0: My theory is that if you have two children, then there's nothing wrong with overfunding the first one because then you can always transfer the money to the second one and there's Mm -hmm. just no real financial ramifications, negative financial ramifications to that. But it sounds like, just by the way, Monica wrote this email that, oh, the fact that she called and said they had one child, that does change the complexity of it. It it does force you uh, to make some decisions. I don't know, man. I'd have to say if they're eligible for Roth, given their income and whatever they got going on, then a Roth might be a good pivot at some point in time. But I don't know what that point in time is. I mean, $75,000 now, they're eight more years, even if they don't contribute another dime, man, I mean, that could very easily be $150,000 if it were to double in the next eight years or so. Roth might be appropriate now.
1: Sure. And there are a few things that we really don't have any idea about here. We don't know about the income or the ability to cash flow some some potential expenses down the road. We don't even know uh, what schooling options are going to be reasonably available to her. Maybe uh, maybe their daughter wants to go off to a, a very expensive private school and hundred grand at that point or hundred and fifty grand is going to cover maybe two years of, of the education at that point. And they're they're going to be scratching uh, their heads trying to figure out where they're going to come up with the rest of the cash. So, just because they've done a, a very nice job up to this point, accumulating money for that particular expense, that doesn't mean everything's all clear if they maintain that $5,000 going forward. So I think that'll become a little bit um, uh, clearer uh, in the next few years as they uh, determine what the, the future looks like for, for their daughter. But at this point, I wouldn't concern yourself with with, uh, trying to deviate from a 529 savings uh, plan at this point.
0: I will say uh, my daughter is 12, and by 10, we knew that she has interests, more expensive tastes, and more expensive schools, whereas our son, who's three years younger, I mean, I assume he'll go to a less expensive place because he just simply doesn't care about that those sorts of things. So, so we are not. Well, we are saving more for my daughter because she is uh, older. But I think that's the way it's actually going to sort out is that we're, we're going to need as much money as possible saved for her because of where she's going, especially if she doesn't get, you know, merit-based aid. Uh, whereas our son will just naturally be less expensive.
1: It's an. I mean, it's going to be a very individual and personalized decision for your kids as you go, and uh, if you have the ability to cash flow college uh, as, as the needs arise. That's fantastic. Obviously, if you can put some money ahead uh, away ahead of time and, and let the markets help you out with that, fantastic as well. And the, the other thing that we've uh, kind of glossed over here is that even though they've done a great job with the saving up to this point, we're not entirely sure how that money's invested. Uh, I mean, if it's an age-based portfolio, those get very conservative very quickly. So even if the markets do well, uh, the returns may be half or, or uh, you know, three quarters of what the market returns, uh, pretty reasonably. So it may not grow quite as fast as, as we, uh, initially anticipated.
0: You know, I have to admit when I learned something on this show, which is more often than I care to admit, I didn't realize that a tax credit gets clawed back. If you use the money for non-education expenses, which makes sense. Um, I, I guess I'm gonna have to study what those provisions are.
1: Not every state has that. Uh, pretty confident that the great state of Indiana does, although I could be corrected at any moment, but I'm, I'm pretty sure Indiana does claw back the the tax credit if money is used for a non-qualified uh, purpose.
0: What's interesting about that is, let's say you've got 15 years of state tax credits, that's $15,000. I wonder if they FIFO or LIFO that thing back out. You know, yeah. Your Mrs. Dunn would likely know that because she tends to know everything about everything in a good way, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. What are you going to disagree with that? Uh, so Dame, a great question, Monica. Thanks for asking. Uh, Dame says, continue the course on the 529. Likely, I say, maybe sprinkle in some Roth. It doesn't always have to be 100% of something and 0% of you know, the other. You can get half the tax credit and put $2,500 a year if you happen to be in the state of Indiana and then put the other 2500 in a Roth if you qualify, which just happens to be a more flexible vehicle. Anyway, the key for all of this is very simple. Not only do you want to try to avoid some semblance of student loans for your daughter, but more importantly, you must absolutely refuse to take on student loans yourself in the form of Parent PLUS loans. To me, that is the essence of intelligent college planning in the 21st century is avoiding Parent PLUS loans. And with that, Dame, we take a break. Coming up after the break, oh, someone's got good problems. Big income bump. What do I do? <laughs> Must be nice. I've never asked that question myself. That's all next on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. Boy, that's a pretty good run. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, it felt real. Now, maybe I am have mastered ten
1: thousand hours right there.
0: Chris asks, uh, "How did the bank appointment go last week with your daughter?" Love that you had her do all the talking. You know, Chris. Thanks for asking. Dame, I did not have a good banking week with my kids this past week. Although I will say the da- my experience my daughter had was, was fine. It just didn't go the way we thought. She had to get a, an account because she's not 13. She's 12, which means I basically have to cordon off a portion of my account and assign it to her. And if I want to deposit, she wants to deposit money. She puts it in my account. Then I put it in hers and then I can control how she does things via an app, which, which is great and all. But I I don't want to do that. I want her to have her own debit card and make her own deposits. But she can't do that until she's 13. So that's just me complaining. But on the other hand, do you want old gripey mad guy? Yeah. I I can't name brands because you know how it goes. My son has a bank account at a different bank. And years ago, we set up just a savings account for him. You know, like it might even be an Atma or something. I don't even remember, right? Just a savings account for him. He was was nothing years old. I think there were 600 bucks in there. I never opened statements because why would I? It's just there. I don't care. I opened it this week. There's 250 bucks in there. (laughs) Do you want to guess why, Dave? I'm going to guess inactivity fees. They're charging my nine-year-old son five dollars a month for inactivity fees so this happened to my daughter at a different bank years ago and i went in i was like what is going on they're like oh sorry about that that happens sometimes and they credit all the money back my gut tells me this other bank not going to do that and you're going to have one angry bald man oh man sorry ted uh i i never use the bully pulpit right like i'm not going to say the name of the bank and shame them for lots of reasons uh, there's no however to this. It's not like a however was coming,
1: but I am very upset about it. So I think the bigger question to be answered here is are mom and dad going to step in and make them whole, or uh, are you going to use this as a learning experience?
0: Next segment in three, two, actually, you know what I'm going to do? This is, I've not told Mrs. Planner this, and she's not like she's watching, so she won't find out. I'm going to take him with me when i go in and when the person explains it to me he'll go what and i'll be like oh ted the bank's taking your money because they wanted you to to deposit money based on the job you have and then just like make. well here can you
1: explain it to him (laughs) yeah exactly it's it's what what i would hope you would do
0: oh passive aggressiveness and three two one back on the pete the planner show uh dame uh sometimes we get a question that to a lot of people does not seem like a problem. And then they hear the question, they're like, do I care about this? Here's what I hope you understand is when someone is a better position than you financially and you hear about them on our show, to get over the fact that they're in a better spot than you, get over the fact that that is not your current problem and try to learn from the underlying issue. And you would, uh, well, I don't know, Dame, you wouldn't be amazed, but, but most people would be amazed to know how many people shut off their ears instantly, you don't say their level of income or their level of savings because then everything else for some reason doesn't make sense. And Dame, even though there are absolutely no numbers and the question I'm about to read to you, the email that we received, people are going to feel that way. You ready? Yes. Boy, how about that for a run up? Dear Pete, my husband and I stand to make significantly more money in the near future as our incomes are both increasing. Click. (laughs) We intend to keep an eye on our expenses and make sure we don't experience a drastic amount of lifestyle creep. But there are some things we've been working towards that we'd like to reward ourselves with in the short term. They'd all be one time expenses versus recurring. And I'm not sure if that counts as lifestyle creep. Do we get your blessing to go ahead? If you say no, can we get a second opinion from Dan?
1: Love the show, Audrey. All right, so Dame, uh, why don't you go first? I think this is a really interesting concept because on the face of it, you think, "Mm, hmm, one-time expense, it's really not going to show up month after month until it does, right? Because I think the, the challenge here and what I would be really concerned with is that you've been working towards a new car you've been diligently saving for a new car whether it's new or used i don't care a different car i guess is is what we should say and you decide you know what we're going to treat ourselves and we're going to spend instead of a a buick we're going to get a cadillac this time around well does everybody get a cadillac from here on out is is this just a new standard even though this was a one-time purchase because i'm going to tell you if if uh Maybe your thing is a trip, and instead of going to uh, Hilton Head, you go to Hawaii. Well, do all the trips have to be Hawaii or the islands from now on, even though it was just a one-time? Because I think this is the the trap that people could really easily fall into. They see them as one-time expenses, but if they're only one-time expenses each and every year, you experience lifestyle creep in a whole different way. So do they count as lifestyle creep? Maybe not, but maybe so. Am I off base, or or do you feel
0: similarly? I 100% agree. I always I call this the wine problem. Like once you actually have a good bottle of wine, it ruins what you were used to. Right? It's a. I remember specifically. I was. It's a weird story. I was judging a young chef's contest at a culinary school several years ago, and I liked wine a lot. And it just so happens there was a ridiculous bottle of wine there that they were letting the the judges have, and it was something that I never even aspired to drink, but I tried it, and man, did it ruin all wine for me thereafter in terms of expense. And I think you're right. If you know Hilton Head was once the thing, and now Hilton Head is no longer, or or even that, Dame go to Hilton Head, but you stay in a much nicer place and then you don't want to go back to the lesser place, right? Um, Total big issue there. I I think too, if you're having that much of an income increase, isn't isn't that the ultimate get out of jail free card to fully examine all of your current financial shortcomings, serve those first, and then responsibly slash irresponsibly blow the rest because it doesn't matter because you've just healed all of your discretions
1: if you didn't have financial goals before this you darn well better have them now because you will blow through that money faster than you can imagine if you're not you know hitting these goals or striving to hit these goals as you go on a month-to-month basis if you were saving you know a couple thousand dollars between 401ks and dedicated savings to a, a general saving account and and all that good stuff and you get this income bump Okay, you know, splurge on a couple things. That, that's okay, but you've got to increase those goals as you go because if you don't, it's inevitable. You will start to spend more money if if you are anything like the average person, me included. Money sitting in an account that doesn't have a job is money that's asking to be spent on something that's pointless. It's not going to get me towards my goals. Uh, by the way, I said discretions. I meant indiscretions.
0: But I would also like to note. Um, this isn't terribly different than when someone gets an inheritance or a big lump sum or a windfall where it's like, well, we did want that boat. Grandpa would want us to, <laughs> grandpa <laughs> would want us to have this boat. No, grandpa wants to be alive. Uh, so you don't justify the purchase that way. Dame, it's, it's interesting, right? Cause it really is about that, that standard of living increasing unknowingly because you, you just, and it, this sounds gross, and no one ever, some people actually put it in this term. We deserve it. I mean, why Why wouldn't we? We, we have the money to do it, so we're going to do it. And I don't want to make anyone feel bad about that, but that's why I said, like, this is the ultimate get-out-of-jail-free card. If you have two incomes increasing, go to your financial advisor and say, this is the lifestyle we want at retirement. Tell me if we're on track. If we are not on track, let's get on track, and then blow the rest to, to some degree if I'm being... 100% transparent with you. And it's not that hard because I'm very fair-skinned. I tend to fund all of my goals immediately. And then I will blow money on whatever I want. And I don't feel bad about it because we refuse to go into debt. And we've already funded our goals. So what's it really matters? The lazy man's budget. And it's how I roll. And
1: that's a really interesting point that you just made is that if your inc- if your uh, lifestyle increases, you start spending more money on a month-to-month basis all of a sudden your savings has to increase too. that that path that you may have been on to hit that retirement number perfectly for the goal that you had is no longer the number that you need to save now because you've just increased your lifestyle so if you're going to make a permanent change to your lifestyle you need to make a permanent change to your savings rate going forward as well and if you need help figuring that out by all means talk to a financial advisor call hey money Whoever, do some math. I'm sure there's a bajillion calculators on Google or Bing. Take your pick and you can figure this out. But there are consequences to some somewhat maybe seemingly insignificant decisions. You know what one of my pet peeves
0: are when it comes to this arena? And I'm about to alienate a tremendous number of listeners. A tremendous number of listeners. Is when something like this happens, or it doesn't happen for that matter, and then there's a couple, and they both get fun money accounts. Like they both are like, well, it's my allowance, it's my fun money. We just like we each have an allowance of fun money. You can discretionary, you can do what you want with. I I get five hundred, she gets five hundred. Do whatever you want. And that seems really healthy, and it seems really responsible. And by the way, arguably it is healthy and responsible, but it just annoys me, and I, I can't tell you why. And I, I usually don't like to tell people things that annoy me with no. You know, reason why but I just don't know why it just drives me nuts
1: it's really interesting because uh, you've kind of just described exactly what you do assuming those people hit all their goals yeah, ahead of yeah, time exactly. what you're saying is you go and spend money but yeah. what you left out was letting mrs planner go and spend right. money yeah yeah so I think maybe that's where the problem was
0: yeah that's int- let me think about that I think we both, I think we both have the attitude, but I guess it's just we don't have a certain amount we set aside, yeah. and we also have separate accounts because we just split my income into two, and and we pay bills at a different ones. Like so, she she manages one of them, I manage another one, but it's both our money, and so we, I guess we do that.
1: But your income is pretty consistent from month to month too. Yeah. At least I, I'm assuming it's pretty consistent from month to month. And so you roughly know what you're going to have to work with because your expenses are going to be pretty consistent from month to month. So you just do this in a not quite so official way. What if I were a blowhard? What if that was just really the the reality of the situation? Do we get better ratings? Um,
0: we probably would. <laughs> um, all right, Dan, let's do this. Let's take a break. Coming up after the break, a great question about non-qualified accounts. What are they? When are they appropriate? Should you have one? That's next on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm the planner. the little pause was for time there. Pro move. You know, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the term fun money that's annoying to me. It's fun money. You know, just like fun. He just have to do anyone with it. it's fun. What's up, Brian Pinkins? Good day to you, sir. Rick uh, said he had that same, I think I already put this up, had the same issue when he ate pineapple in Hawaii for the first time. It's so much better than anything you've had in the continental U.S. That's That's also the truth. And Danza has a new hashtag for the show, Free Ted's Money. Why are I have so many banking issues with my kids?
1: I don't know. Don't they know who you are?
0: <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Actually,
1: can I tell you a funny story? Yeah.
0: So Dolly and I go into, uh to set up this account or whatever, and she does the talking, and the, the bank person knows me. I'm not in there a lot, but the bank person knows me, right? One of those things, right? You're so in there
1: once a month. At least a different
0: bank. I, oh, wow. I also, I have several banks <laughs> in a very inefficient way with no logic to any of it, but that's a different episode. Okay. So anyway, this woman knows me. She's like, Pete. Oh, hello. And it's like, Oh yeah. I, okay. She's like, and she's talking to Ollie. She's like, your dad brought us, used to bring us cookies all the time, <laughs> like fresh bake that he made. And, and that's how I remember him. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm part of this conversation. And I'm just like, that definitely didn't happen. <laughs> so, like, I mean, you, I'm a reasonably nice person, but I'm not take baked
1: goods to my bank nice. Uh, yeah, I can totally believe that. Now, did Ollie believe it? Well, she, she, she was like, whatever.
0: And then the car, she asked me about it. And it's like, here's the thing sometimes people conflate memories with other things and then they, it, but it just becomes their truth. And it's like, she's like, well, why did you tell them that wasn't you? And I'm like, well, that's, that's being an adult, right? It's being in a mature person. It's like, well, well, who cares? I'm just telling the radio on now, but who cares? It doesn't matter. It didn't happen.
1: Well, what if there's another Pete that goes to that bank uh, and did bring cookies, but now she thinks that person is Pete, the planner, and she's just flipped them. That's possible. You know,
0: I'm hoping when I go to the other bank with Ted that the bank manager's there does know sort of the Pete the Planner thing. She, she, I know she does, and if she's there, I don't like to ask for special favors. I really don't. I have to admit that. But it wouldn't frustrate me if it, that manager was there and then she reversed all the fees that Ted's paid over the last several years. Do you view that as my fault, or do you find it bad that Upma accounts? I think it is an Upma. Like I don't remember would have fees for kids that doesn't make sense to me
1: that seems incredibly dumb that any kid's account would have fees attached to it
0: it's my fault
1: i just want everyone to know i mean but technically no. if it's if it's an Utma account you are the custodian so it is your fault <sighs> everything's my fault um all right next next one here i love this question a lot
0: because i get it a lot and i've asked myself this uh, years ago so let's do it in three Two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. You know, you can email us. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. That's Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. Dame. This one says, subject line, non-qualified account. That was a question mark. My financial advisor is encouraging me to start a non-qualified account in addition to my Roth IRA and the 403B I have at work. Why wouldn't I just keep saving into my retirement account instead? Thanks, Zachary. I believe it's pronounced Zachary. Interesting. Well, I mean, is this? I mean, is this as simple as the three bucket approach to saving?
1: Could potentially. I mean, you said you get this question all the time. I'm curious as to how you answer it.
0: Okay, so there are three buckets of money that people should regularly put money into. Right? There's there uh, the most important bucket oddly enough, in my opinion, is the, uh, by the way, I read a piece this week, this, this criticism of how people talk and act that says you, when talking, you should never say in my opinion. Really? And it's redundant because the fact that you're stating it makes it your opinion. I'm like, well, no, I, because I speak on factual things of which I'm an expert, which uh, I, I'm, I'm providing fact to people. And so therefore I delineate when I'm offering my opinion, because I think that's only fair. Anyway, in my opinion, um, saving for retirement is the most important thing because it's the hardest thing you're going to do. So that's the first bucket that gets money in the form of your retirement plan at work. So you put money in that bucket every pay period. This, the second bucket is that you put money into is actually the very first bucket, which is your short-term savings. You put money into that until you have an emergency fund built up. And once you have three months expenses built up, then in my opinion, you don't put any more money in that bucket which then brings us to the middle bucket. It ain't for retirement. It ain't for the short term. It is a middle bucket and it is called non-qualified money. And Dame, as you know, when we talk about non-qualified, it means non-retirement, non-tax qualified. So yes, Jachery, if you are putting the right money away for retirement, the right amount, and you have a full emergency fund, middle bucket up, my man, because to me, that is wealth. Wealth is the middle bucket. That's how you know you are ballin',
1: as the kids say. The middle bucket will give uh, Zachary I believe he said, was yes, it the, the gentleman's name? Uh Tons of flexibility going forward. Yes. Uh, if if they uh, if if things go well uh, and investments in the retirement account uh, are bountiful and that account grows and grows to the point where. He, Zachary could potentially retire early. Well, maybe not, because he may end up having to take some penalties uh, and, and on top of the taxes that might come out of those accounts. How would you bridge that? Well, maybe you could use some non-qualified money to get there. Uh, other things that pop up throughout your life. Maybe uh, you need to fund a wedding for a child. Uh, potentially pull from the non-qualified account. A uh, down payment for a new car. All, all sorts of things. A non-qualified account provides flexibility for you to uh, take advantage of opportunities in your life that you may not have otherwise been able to but also maybe save your hiney in events that uh, you didn't foresee coming that maybe fall outside of the bounds of an emergency fund
0: at what point is it appropriate to save for a kid's wedding like what's the age that you're like yeah they're gonna hitch up with somebody and i need to be able to pay for like because i'm a very traditional person but common sort of sensibility says that's a little bit weird to say, well, I've got a 12 year old when I start saving for a wedding. That's a little bit weird.
1: I think we had a question similar to this a while back and I wish I remember how we answered it, but maybe, maybe you approach it uh, similar to how you set a, uh, a goal for college education. You're going to pay X amount of dollars uh, for this blessed event and you know roughly how long it's going to take you to save that money and anything above that's going to come out of the 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 newlyweds pockets uh when you start that i don't even like thinking about that day let alone thinking about saving for it so i'm i'm probably not gonna give a good answer on that
0: you know even though college savings are i guess technically tax qualified accounts because you know they they are not non-qualified because you do get some tax advantage in them I still view college funds as a middle bucket expense for our household. And so we have a full emergency fund. Obviously, we max out our our retirement plans that we can. So all the money that flows in a discretionary basis goes into that middle bucket, which includes college, which includes non-qualified investment accounts. I mean, so, so often people don't understand when you hear the term brokerage account or I've got a stock trading account or this or that. If it's not specifically a retirement account, which you get specific tax advantage, it is in fact a non-qualified account. If you just go to Betterment.com or ETrade or wherever, I don't really care. Even Robinhood, I mean, it is probably a non-qualified account, which just means you don't get tax advantage and there's a lot less restriction as to what you can use it for. But Dame, it's also important for people to know because they're so used to retirement plan investing you can have some rather significant tax consequences and non-qualified account based on your trading habits if you're
1: not used to it. Sure. Yeah, uh, you make uh, a really good buy and then sell it uh, down the road for a nice little profit. You're going to get taxed on that profit, not like your 401k at work or, or your Roth IRA, where you can buy and sell without consequence or at least immediate consequence uh, of taxation. So. Uh, interest that gets credited to your account, dividends that get credited to your account, uh, profits that uh, that you take from good investments, uh, even losses have an impact on your taxation as well. So you have to be very careful when you are investing with a non-qualified account, which, as I would guess, a whole bunch of people found out last year after they didn't have anything better to do than day trade while they were sitting at home in their pajamas.
0: I can't imagine the number of people that got nasty tax bills last year. I mean, just just an inordinate amount of people got a nasty tax bill.
1: What's a ten ninety nine? Why am I getting this in the mail?
0: It's crazy, Dame. Uh, not to distract us from a really good segment, but I'm going to. Um, remember that email question that you thought was a scam and I thought was not a scam? Uh huh. I just got a reply for it. Uh huh. Um, buddy, it took a real weird weird turn. Like an incredibly weird turn.
1: I cannot wait for the post-show meeting.
0: I love when I talk in uh, obscurity uh, or whatever uh, on the show. Dame, um, all right. So you are a proponent of non-qualified accounts. No one's going to not be a proponent of a a non-qualified account. But but I would say I don't think they make a tremendous a a lot of sense unless you have a full emergency fund. I think that would be my one big qualifier and feel free to disagree with that. Can you think of a reason why a person would invest specifically of risk being an element into a non-qualified account without a full emergency fund?
1: No. In fact, I would actually differ with your uh, order of buckets and how they get filled as well. I, you said uh, the, the, retirement bucket should be the, the first one. I, I disagree somewhat on that and think that the, the small bucket, the emergency fund or the, the short-term bucket should be the first one. And once you've got uh, a comfortable amount there, not necessarily three months, but at least a buffer between you and reality, then you start contributing to that retirement account. But to go, uh, you know, to pass go and, and not do the, the short-term bucket or the the long-term bucket and go right for that mid-term bucket, um, I don't know, maybe there's some, I don't know, it, it'd be a really, really unique situation to try and figure out who that would, would fit for. But I, I can't think of any off the top of my head.
0: And the people want to know, we got a minute left in this segment. Um, how's your Bitcoin holding up in your Robinhood account, which you bought because you thought was a really good idea yeah. right before Bitcoin fell?
1: Yeah, as of, uh, well, at one point last week, uh, I believe it was last week, I was actually up, uh, but I am back down. Uh, so I am I am taking the beating for everyone out there who's wanted to do it. Let me be the lesson. Don't do it.
0: Did you, do you tell us the amount? I feel like you said it was $90. Is that the amount you put in or was it not that amount?
1: Well, yeah, I started at $90 and then when everything dropped, I, I uh, averaged, <laughs> averaged in a little bit. And so that's what's helping me out. If it was just the original 90 bucks, Boy. I'd be way underwater.
0: My man. All right. Coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week. We may have just heard about it and the news. I'm Pete, the planner. This is the show. My outros are hot fire today. I mean, they're just good. I think I set you up for that one. You really did. Uh, our coworkers here at HQ get really annoyed when I start a sentence when I'm talking to them with, you know, on my run this morning, and then I'll, <laughs> and then I'll talk about what I was thinking about or whatever. And so this morning, I was talking to uh, Chad Force, and Eric are out there. They're asking. I said, well, look, I, you know, I was on my 20-mile bike ride this morning. And so I switched it up. I just talked about
1: riding a bike instead of yeah. running this morning. As long as, you know, I'm just going to send them both a message and say, next time you say something about a bike, ask how the Lycra is fitting these days.
0: Oh, I was telling them all about the Lycra. Oh, I have a picture. You want to see me and Lycra here? Rather, rather not. I took a Lycra selfie this morning. Oh, I, and, and the reason was because I was going to send it to you, but not – But because i was making fun of your camo shirt yesterday yeah i have a camo cycling kit which i'm gonna show you that seems that seems dangerous sort of that's just the camo it's just real tight on the like like right there
1: yeah that's that's a thigh okay okay riding a camo seems dangerous
0: well i mean i don't know i have a blinking red light i put on the back of my
1: kit. can't can't hit what they don't see Exactly. Okay. Am I even there? Exactly.
0: Have you not watched fantasy films? I mean, not
1: those sorts of fantasy.
0: Dame, let's do Biggest Waste of Money of the Week and the news. Okay. And three, two, one. This week's Biggest Waste of Money of the Week right here on the Pete the Planner show is the Louis Vuitton times nba mini basketball hoop before i read this dame you know when when there's a brand crossover thing it's like this and this they put x like is do i say meets do i say x do i say times like how do how how do i express that
1: Uh, just louis vuitton and whatever the other one was
0: yeah i mean why put the the louis vuitton and nba mini basketball hoop with the nfb nba finals in full swing, Louis Vuitton and NBA have released a complete capsule collection. The collaboration includes an assortment of basketball-inspired clothing and accessories, but the standout team, or pardon me, the standout item is this mini basketball hoop designed by artistic director Virgil Abloh. The piece borrows from the brand's iconic trunks with gold metal corners on the transparent Backboard, a frosted LV is at the center of the square while co-branding logos trim the perimeter. It comes with a miniature basketball made with brown leather and black trim. The set will be available at select Louis Vuitton locations later this month. Dame, you see it there on the screen. The radio listeners, of course, do not because that's not how radio works. I'll tell you, it looks like the exact goal that is in my son's room without the Louis Vuitton uh, junk on it. Dame, the basketball goal, which is a nice one in my son's room, I believe was either 19 or 29 but it has an acrylic backboard and a breakaway rim so he can uh, dunk. Uh, this, my friend, is not $29.99. How much do you think the Louis Vuitton and NBA mini basketball hoop is?
1: $299.
0: Oh, and listener of the year Danza also missed it. She went a little high. She said $18,000. $4,200. $4,200. It, it, does this qualify as one of those items that if you own it, it's okay to just think the person's a moron for owning it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't see how there's any justification for this. You know, I have, I'm trying to think if I should express my Louis Vuitton thoughts on the air, whether this should just be you and I someday. Um, what, what do you have a feeling one way or the other? Uh,
1: Let's go just you and I. Uh,
0: okay, yeah. <laughs> I already expressed my fun money. Yeah, uh, Hot take. Dame. what's in the news
1: this now, week? Now, the news. Uh, Pete, we're going to go a little different direction this week. We're going to do uh, some third quarter predictions this Ooh. week. That's third okay. quarter predictions. I'm going to ask you some questions. You're going to give me some answers.
0: All right, I'm ready.
1: Question one is a follow-up and a little addition from a question that I asked you last week. Mm-hmm. Will Jeff Bezos and Sir Richard Branson both return from space safely
0: i mean i mean i do i have to say yes because i don't want to bet on someone's demise in space uh do you remember when i think it was red bull had a guy skydive from space yeah and i we could watch it live yeah i don't like to throw mrs Planner under the bus in public settings however i'm about to i watched it And she was just furious that I was watching it, under the idea that I'm potentially contributing to this man's death, right? And so, while I disagreed with her there, I refuse to uh, to guess whether or not Richard Branson and uh, Jeff Bezos die in space. But what's the follow up question,
1: Dame? I mean, this kind of gets it. it, Where's it's weird is. This is becoming like a race in between the two and it, like Branson upped his flight to go before him. I mean, is that something you really want to like <laughs> speed up to, to make happen? I I don't know. I just, I'm more nervous for him than I am Bezos now.
0: I know a lot of people love to hate billionaires. I I just I'm not one of those people that that are like oh it's billionaire it's still a terrible person. I also just don't care, right? I but that's not to say oh I I I hold them in high regard. No, if a person flies to San Diego or Jupiter, I don't care. And so uh yeah, that's just not on my radar. Okay, but they'll both live.
1: All right. Question number two. Question number two. If Robinhood IPOs this year, right. which it seems like they will. Will the price close higher or lower than its open price on the first day?
0: Oh, this just almost seems unfair. It's going to have to open higher because people are going to like Dutch tulip it up. I did love the article this week that suggested that if the SEC follows through on a required change to how they do business, that they lose more or less all of their profitability, which I think is... Uh, a lot of people work there so I'm not going to wish it ill so but I
1: it's interesting it's very interesting yes Will another U.S. company join Microsoft and Apple in the $2 trillion club this year? The closest right now are Amazon, roughly one and three quarters, and Alphabet just a little bit further behind that. Will they crack the $2 trillion market cap?
0: I say yes. In fact, uh, we are recording this show on July 8th, which is a Thursday. On, On Tuesday and Wednesday of this week, the 6th and 7th, Amazon went through the roof. I mean, it could, have. I don't know when you pulled this story, but it, it could be at the $2 trillion market cap right now. In fact, I'm going to look, uh, probably pulled back a little bit, but I'm going to go Amazon instead of Alphabet. What, what is your take? What do you think?
1: Uh, I think it's very possible that they both make it pending some uh, cases that are kind of floating through the government uh, regarding Alphabet right now.
0: 1.843, it changed. As I was saying that, it was 1.844. And literally, as the first words came out of my mouth, it went down to a three, Amazon did. So it is very close to the $2 trillion mark.
1: Maybe uh, maybe before the end of the third quarter.
0: And then I would be right. Yeah.
1: Uh, two more questions. Okay. Will the Olympics happen without any serious COVID-19 disruptions? It seems like they might. I'll answer this one for you since they uh, uh, banned spectators from all events this year?
0: I think what we've learned about COVID is that there is a difference between a disruption that is immediately deadly and directly impactful and a disruption that is built on positive tests. So I'm going to answer this and say there will be a major disruption built on positive tests, which then could theoretically indirectly lead to to death and carnage. But much in the way that the Copa soccer tournament in Brazil right now, um, it was impacted with major COVID outbreaks amongst the players and training staff, and so then people couldn't play, and then it affected who could perform. I think that's what's going to happen at the Olympics, that you're going to have people show up and not be able to compete because they're on quarantine. So that is my answer there.
1: Finally, a pure sports ball question. Mm. Will Aaron Rodgers be a Green Bay Packer at the start of the season? (sighs)
0: I, I actually thought about this just the other day. No one cares about my my takes on pro football, but I will say this. I thought he had a ton of leverage early in this whole thing. And for some reason, I feel like his leverage is gone. I, I feel like he, they're they're just like, yeah, we don't need all this, bro. So no, I don't think he's a Green Bay Packer. I think he retires and pulls one of those. I'm going to retire and then come out of retirement next year. That's my gut. What
1: do you think about that? Uh, I, I don't watch American football, so I have no idea who this gentleman is. Stop it. Time for a story? Uh, I, we have a minute and 40 seconds time for a story. This one will warm your heart, Pete. Americans are borrowing again in some cases at levels not seen in more than a decade. Consumer demand for auto loans and leases, general purpose credit cards, and personal loans was up 39% in April compared to the same period last year. I know what you're thinking last year. I mean, what was going on last year? Well, according to uh, Equifax, it was also up 11% compared with 2019.
0: I really don't like to say I told you so. Like, it's just not my vibe. It's not how I roll. I, I told, told you, you so. so. By the way, uh, Amazon is now up to 1.848. It's gone up, uh, what, $4 billion in the last 45 seconds? I cannot wait for. 1.849. Am-
1: Oh, it's good. Are we, do you want to just sit here all until it we're, happens? We're gonna have Amazon Watch on every show from here on out.
0: Uh, down one point eight four eight. There's CNBC in the lobby of our office building here. You know, it's always just on the TV there. And Chad and I were talking today. I think they have it on so people think this is an important office building. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is stuff people got to know because no one, no one should reasonably care about what is on there. No. Dame, that's all we have time for this week. 1.847 right now. Sending you good vibes, because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I hope you all well. And if not, well, I'll see you next week. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the show. Not the strongest clothes. I tried to get too cute. It happens. Dame, I'm going to go eat my lunch. I got Joella's hot chicken today. Oh.
1: Love Joella's hot chicken think i'm gonna go for a run so i can think while i'm on my run
0: when if we do happen to talk later Mm -hmm. can you bring up the fact that you ran sure what's more obnoxious telling someone all the time in the course of just daily conversation that you work out or um posting about your workout online
1: I, I think telling somebody face-to-face, because there's no escape from that. I can mute you or block you on social media. So it's it's the uh, personal interaction that really drives the dagger home.
0: What is more obnoxious, uh, telling someone that you worked out face-to-face or telling someone face-to-face that you're just not on social media anymore? Ooh, that's a good one. Because I do both on a daily basis.
1: I don't know. I Maybe the... It probably depends on what that person feels like they're struggling with at the point in time. If they know they should be working out and they're not, probably the person that says they're always working out.
0: It's real judgmental if you tell
1: people that you're off social media and how much
0: you love it because it makes someone go internal immediately. By the way, Dame, I'm ending the show. Go to your email inbox and read the response from the guy on the thing that we can't talk about. He gets sad super quick. (laughs) Like, In fact, I just stopped reading it And I might read it over hot chicken because I'll already be crying. Dane, that's all we have time for this week. Wishing everyone the best. And remember, stay getting money.